Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a special little podcast recording message for this Thanksgiving day, eve, whatever it may be for you as you listen to this. You know, today I was at... Uh, I was at Morningside Nursing Home right here in Ida Grove, and I was I did my own little did a little message I did a sermon and it's kind of going to be the basis of what I talk about here this evening. See, the reality is with Thanksgiving being tomorrow Thursday, there's always going to be the talk of thankfulness. In some days, in a world, in a life of so much negativity, we wonder what do we have to give thanks for? And the reality is, is there is a lot. There is so much in our lives to be thankful for. So I think a good way to look at this is to look at Luther's meanings in the creeds. I think the creeds themselves tell us a lot about what to be thankful for. So let's start with the first article of the creed where it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. So right there, you have a whole list. God has made me, my body and soul, eyes. So think your eyes. Now, not all of us can see as well as we'd like. You know, for me, for example, I wear glasses. Many of you wear glasses. Many of you, as you age, your eyesight goes more and more. But think of all the things that you have still seen, nonetheless. This afternoon, I was, or this morning, I drove up to Storm Lake to get some stuff for, you know, the next couple days, get some groceries. And as I was driving, it was beautiful blue sky. And and I was driving across the countryside, and I just can't help but look and think of the beauty of God's creation that I am privileged to see with my eyes. And that also, there's other things we are privileged to see with our eyes. We get to see our children, our grandchildren. We see that guy or gal that you were totally in love with. Now I know these are not all, not all these things apply to everyone. All of us have had 
that have seen those things, though, in our lives. We watch a good movie or a good TV show, and we can see that story unfold before us. All of us have been privileged to see wonderful things. He has given me ears, ears to hear. Again, I'm a person who, one of my ears, when I was really, really young, I had a severe uh, ear infection, so I lost most of my hearing. And many of you do not have good hearing. But nonetheless, you've been privileged to hear music. To hear the laughter of children. To hear people say to you, I love you. I care about you. God has you given you your ears to hear such wonderful things. Yes, we have heard things. And just as we have seen things we wish we hadn't heard or seen. But we have heard and seen such wondrous things. All my members, my reason, all my senses, that includes smell and taste. I mean, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I know not all of us are going to be able to have a, a huge Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm going to guess that many of you have had some very good meals. Many of you have had the pleasure of such beautiful aromas, at least, you know, yesterday, just the smell of flowers, of a, of a, a wonderful flower. We live in a nation with so much freedom and security. We have doctors, we have nurses, we have teachers, we have police officers, we have soldiers. All these things in this world that we have to give thanks for having. See, God gives us all these things. He gives us all the goods and privileges and blessings that we have. Not because you're such a good person. Not because you happen to have a stronger faith than another. Not because you pray better. He does this only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy. Without any merit or any worthiness in you or me. The second article of the Creed says that I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment. Jesus, okay, first off, who are we? In the, there have been many catechisms throughout the history of the church. And they all were structured and written differently. Luther's catechism was unique in the fact that it began with the Ten Commandments. Why did it begin with the Ten Commandments? Well, there's two reasons. One is that the Germans at the time were being corrupt, they were being stubborn, and they were being extremely problematic, and 
Luther was laying down the law hard, telling them that you are Christians and you need to be acting differently, okay? But the other reason is, is that as you go, it's, it serves as the hard-hitting, crushing gospel, crushing law, sorry. Because you read through the Ten Commandments, you go through them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You go through all of them. And if you are honest with yourself, and you compare them with your life, in your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds, in the things you've done, and the things you've left undone, when you read those Ten Commandments, you know you cannot stand on any of them. That you have broken all of them. That you are no good. And it ends with the close, in the close of the commandments. It says this, it says... I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Hear that? All Break these commandments, he will punish. That's the way it ends. And so you're crushed by the law because you realize that you deserve nothing but God's wrath because you are indeed a lost and condemned creature. But yet, what does our God do? In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son to be born of a woman, specifically of a virgin. You know, his son, who is his son? Who is Jesus? Jesus, you go back to Isaiah chapter 6. And you have Isaiah. In the year the king Uzziah died, he sees the Lord high and exalted on the throne. And the train of his robe fills the temple. And surrounding him are seraphim singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the earth is filled with his glory. The one who is on that throne, according to the gospel of John, is Jesus, all right? This is the one who in the fullness of time was born of a woman, as it says in Galatians. Was born of a woman, specifically the Virgin Mary. So it says here, born of the Virgin Mary is my Lord who has redeemed me. Hear that? Redeemed me. A lost and condemned person purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver. Because here's the reality. All of the wealth of the world, all the riches in the world, if you took every possession, every amount of money, every amount of gold, every amount of silver, if you took every possession on this earth and piled it together, it would not be enough to purchase the salvation of even one human being. The only thing that could do it is with his, Jesus's, the true God, the true man, the man God, or the God man, with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own. And live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. So you see, 
you and I, a lost and condemned creature on account of our sin, were purchased, redeemed, won. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Romans 5 says, By the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, your sin is washed away and you are declared righteous. That you may serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Living under him in his kingdom. Then comes the third article. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. Enlightened me by with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Okay, let's start there. You cannot. So how does the forgiveness of sins, how does God's gifts come for you? The victory that was won by Jesus on the cross, how does that victory come to you? Scripture says... Tells you this. No one could say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Scripture says, Scripture says that we are redeemed, that we are born not of the will of the flesh, but of the will of God. Scripture says that before the foundations of the world, God chose us. To be holy and blameless in his sight. See, it's the Holy Spirit who creates faith. It is the Holy Spirit who comes to you in the waters of baptism. Who comes to you in the proclamation of the word. Who comes to you in the Lord's Supper. He is the one who creates faith. He is the one who sustains your faith. He is the one who gives the blessing of grace, the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of life, the blessing of righteousness. It comes by the Holy Spirit as a gift. In the same way all he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. Now, he, when he says church, he's not talking, we're not talking about, you know, the Lutheran church or this church or that church. We're not talking about the building. We are talking about the people of God, the assembly of believers, the faithful. He daily forgives you all your sins. He daily renews you. When you were baptized, you were brought into this church. And that's especially meaningful on this Thanksgiving. 
Because there are many people who do not have families to celebrate Christmas with, celebrate Thanksgiving with, or Christmas, <clears throat> you know, a little over a month from now. But they have the family, which is the church. The brothers and sisters in Christ are there to lift them up, or they should be. Now I say that knowing full well that the church regularly fails at this. But ultimately that is your family. We find union, we find comfort in the communion of saints. The Holy Christian Church. And we celebrate in that unity when we receive the Lord's Supper. This is the family that you have when you're wishing you had somebody. And I say this as a person who, as I am recording this, fully gets that feeling. As I record this, it is now, you know, we're on Thanksgiving Eve. Our service is done for the day. Tomorrow's going to be Thanksgiving, and I'm, I'm going to have, you know, probably a pretty decent meal. I got some stuff from, from Hy-Vee, and I got some really good, what should be some really good pies from a member of our congregation. But I'm going to be sitting here in this dark apartment alone. And I'm pretty used to it these days. And I don't know if Thanksgiving hits me as hard as Christmas usually does. But there is that constant reminder. Well, you, I sit there eating my meal, maybe watching my movie. I know that there are people spending time with their family. And here I am with no one. And there are many of you out there that know this loneliness on this holiday. See, in Christ, you have a family. That's the family of God. And if the family of God, your church, is doing what it should be, you shouldn't be alone. They should be rising up and saying, hey, come to church, or come to my place, or whatever. Make sure you go to church these days. You need that to be reminded of that family. It continues. It says, On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. And right there you have another layer. This Thanksgiving, people are going to miss those, especially who have died in the faith. And you know what? We live in hope. That that person, those people who have died in Christ, will rise again. That they are at the moment... Feasting on a meal beyond your wildest imagination. And one day we too shall pass from this world. And we will join them in that feast. 
But that feast is not the end. For there is a day that is to come, the resurrection of the body, when all people will be all people who believe in Christ will be raised to a glorious body, to a place where there is a banquet, a feast, a meal, a celebration that that is far greater than anything you could ever have on this earth. And we'll be all one in Christ, brothers and sisters, walking where there is no hunger, where there is no thirst, no scorching heat, no blistering cold, no tears, no brokenness. All of these things are reasons to give thanks to God. So we do. We give thanks to God for his Holy Spirit. We give thanks to the Holy Spirit that he has sanctified us, that he has given us faith, and he gives us faith. He gives us grace through baptism. He gives us grace through the, read, the proclamation of the word. He gives us grace through the Lord's Supper. We give thanks that by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, we are given righteousness. We are purchased, redeemed. We are not, we do not belong to the devil, but we are children of God. We give thanks to the Heavenly Father who provides us with so many material blessings that we cannot even begin to count them. So this thanksgiving be grateful for what you have. Give thanks. And thank people. You go to a movie theater, to, go to a movie tomorrow night, there are going to be people working at that movie theater who are giving up their holiday. You're going to go to line up to buy those big deals on Thanksgiving at different stores like Walmart, Target, whatever. Go to the malls, wherever you may be. And there's going to be employees there. Maybe you go to, maybe you are a nursing home or wherever you deal with nurses, doctors. Maybe you see a police officer. Or you see somebody who is the wife of a soldier. Or you see a soldier. Say thank you for serving me on this holiday. Though I enjoy it, I enjoy the time off. Thank you. For taking this time to serve me. And say thank you to people. Not just today. Not just tomorrow. But every day. Say thank you to people. We don't say that enough. The people who serve you probably aren't looking for thanks. But I promise you they will appreciate it. When you say it. And to you who are listening to this. If you are working on Thanksgiving, thank you for putting in that time. And to all of you, a blessed Thanksgiving this day. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Thank you again. I am Pastor Neil Lemus. I am a pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. This is a recorded message to you for this Thanksgiving Day.
for this Thanksgiving holiday. I hope it was a blessing to you. And I, again, I pray a most blessed Thanksgiving to all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.